This episode of Art of the Score is proudly supported by the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra. Head over to www.mso.com.au forward slash movies for more information on their upcoming season of live movie score presentations. Welcome to Art of the Score, the podcast that explores, demystifies and celebrates some of the greatest soundtracks of all time from the world of film, TV and video games. I'm Andrew Pogson and in each episode we'll be joined by Daniel Golding and Nicholas Buck as we check out a soundtrack we love, break down its main themes, explore what makes the score tick and hopefully impart our love of the world of soundtracks. In our second episode, we continue to explore the music from Raiders of the Lost Ark with part two of our analysis. In episode one, we got to know all of the main themes of Raiders, but in this episode, we'll delve deeper into some of the lesser-known cues from the movie where much of the Williams magic exists. And joining me, as always, for part two of our expedition, it is writer, lecturer, critic, and all-round handsome lad. It's Dan Golding. How you doing, Dan? I'm doing good. I cannot wait to get through some of this stuff. It'll be great. Do you like how I introduced you with the uh, the arc theme over the top? I Look, I think I'm worthy of it. As is befitting <laughs> someone of your stature. <laughs> just, just don't open it, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> and there is the voice of God himself. It is uh, Nick Buck. How are you doing? Nicholas, sorry. I'm feeling very uh, religious at the moment. I know, and, right? I'm um, about to be converted by this amazing score. So we're, uh, we're, we're moving on to part two, and I'm going to uh, bring back our dramatic music a little. It's a little dramatic at this point in time. Um, we're at part two of Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I thought that our, our part two could be a little bit of, I guess you'd call it extra homework, where uh, if people didn't get their fill in episode one, uh, that we would perhaps delve a little further into some of the real sort of meaty uh, pieces of music that John Williams wrote for, uh, for Raiders. Some excavation, if you will. Yes. Indeed. Some like archaeological go- work. <laughs> it's like going to after school classes, you know, mm. it's for, for the people that really want to learn. Extra mm. credit. Yeah, mm. extra credit. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that we would, uh, we'll break this up into a whole bunch of different sections, but what better place to start than at the start of the film. And in this very first cue, we have a, uh, a piece of music called In the Jungle. Thank you. 
Man, how does that sound like it's from Indiana? Mm, it's so different from everything, pretty much that that comes after it. Yeah, it could be it could be a different film. Yeah, yeah I mean, but, my, my theory was. my theory with this is that, uh, like all good, uh, you know, serials like with James Bond and certainly with Indiana, we start in the middle of what could be a film that we never saw. Certainly in the middle of a mission. Absolutely. Uh, and that's really reflected in this score. I mean, it's they. It's a cue that, you know, and, and a melody and even an orchestration doesn't really appear anywhere else in the film. And um, it's such a really, it's a wonderful, mysterious sort of opener. And because uh, we don't know who Indiana is, it's potentially the first time. It certainly would have been for audi- audiences at the time, the first time they've ever seen an Indiana movie. And all of the, uh, uh, you know, the, the mystery of who are these people, what are they doing? Mm. Uh, and that's really refre- reflected in that you know, that mystery of, of those, uh, what are they, uh, Nick, are they oboes and uh, bassoons or something? What's going talk. on? That, that opening kind of melody um, is so uh, yeah, unsingable. It's um, basically we have alto flutes mixed with bassoons and then later joined by the choranglais. So, you know, kind of slightly exotic instruments, mm. you know, not, not things you'd, you know, not everyone uses alto flutes, especially not in this way. And, um, you know, to open with a creepy meandering woodwind melody, um, you just don't hear that anymore. Mm. Um, I mean, have a listen to it. It's very, you know. It's, it's horrible. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's just sort of, um, and it really kind of uh, not sucks you in, but sort of um, almost alienates you musically. Um, you don't know it's directionless just Mm. like I guess we don't know who this character is we don't know which direction Mm. he's going he's obviously in a jungle searching trekking somewhere Mm. that's about it you know an orchestration you've got things like log drums which are these low wooden you know that that you don't hear anywhere else in the score a very location specific um, and really help to create that yeah really interesting textual mood Mm. Mm, definitely and I mean as well as that it's sort of this feeling that you know None of them really want to be doing this. They're sort of it, the trek hasn't been that fun. That melody <laughs> is telling us it's sort of you know. Yeah. I'm not a big bushwalker myself. You know, <laughs> I, I sort of I, I can sympathise with that sort of you yeah. know. That's what you'd have on your iPod. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, it it, it is interesting in exactly the same way that that you said, uh, Andrew, before is that it? Yeah. It feels like last week's edition of the serial, which is exactly what this movie is going back to. In the same way that Star Wars as well begins with you know. Uh, an attack between two ships that we're not really introduced to and that now, thanks to modern serial logic, we have been through Rogue One. But well, yeah. you know, at the time, uh, it was absolutely just like we'd forgotten last week's episode. And, you know, to me, the what I enjoy thinking about is what would that movie have been like in terms of John Williams' score? Hmm. So, you know, what theme was that? Was that Indy's theme? Well. <laughs> or was that the theme of the path? We, we, we can, in a sense, know because, of course... Uh, Temple of Doom is a prequel. Oh, oh yeah. Is it? How do you know that? Uh, it, the, the the opening uh, introduction, the, the it says a date, and it's 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 like nineteen thirty five or, or four, which is where, set before Raiders of the Lost Ark. Where is the date in Raiders then? Uh, it's uh, right yeah. at the beginning after the after the opening titles and the Columbia matched mountain. Really? It says nineteen thirty six. Oh, um, okay. And so. 
Yeah, Temple of Doom is set in 1935, so it's. The it makes me want to go year. back and like study that score and see if I can find this melody. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> he does a bit of tricking. I mean, it's on elephants. Sure, it's um, got well, short round by his side. But anyway, mm. that, that's for another another podcast. <laughs> well, um, I thought I'd you know mention the the instruments. I mean, you touched on them with the the woodwinds, but just that being the key word, the wind uh, through those those instruments, I find that along with percussion untuned percussion, yep. uh, there is a level of primitive potential yep. Yep. sort of sound to it. And I think that's sort of really helping to give, you know, an odd sound. And, and he's chosen the odd instruments uh, yep. from the woodwind section. And even like the, the lower register of the orchestra, all it is is just a couple of, it's basically Chelly and bass just doing these really simple mm. Mm. little kind of random plonks. Um, really don't give you any kind of harmonic bass or stability. So you're really left with this sort of yeah, honky stabs in, in the sort of subtle stabs in the strings, random percussion stuff, and this meandering melody. Even when the, the, uh, the violins come in, they're holding really awkward, tense chords. So nothing mm. is grounding us uh, musically here. And yeah. that, that's really unsettling and uh, fantastic for, for what you know, John Williams and Spielberg are trying to achieve in this opening. And something I wanted to just jump straight to is... Uh, the revealing of Indiana himself. Mm. I mean, that's uh, reflected not only visually, which maybe, Dan, you can comment on, but um, also in the music. But uh, visually, what, what happens? Well, I mean, it's, it's great, actually, because uh, the way that Indiana Jones is revealed to us is that first, the very first time we see him is in silhouette, uh, walking up that hill. We don't see his face. We don't get any close-up detail. We see him. And then we see, you know, his hat. We get a bit of a detail of that. We see his whip. We get a close-up shot of that. And then finally, he emerges out of the shadows in that early shot. And we see Harrison Ford's face. But it's sort of almost this very deliberate, very careful construction of an icon uh, where we see all of the, the elements that, that, you know, make him up. If you're going to a party today and you're going to, you know, dress up as Indiana Jones, you're going to get the hat, the whip, um, you know, before you do anything else. Uh, and, uh, you know, it just goes to show how careful and deliberate that, that destruction, uh, destruction? construction was. <laughs> And it's uh, just really interesting the way musically they introduce him. They don't introduce him as a hero. And uh, I thought I'd just play you that little excerpt right now. So that is Indiana Jones being introduced. Yeah. It sounds like Darth Vader is on screen. <laughs> it sounds like the Imperial music from episode four where, you know, he hasn't hasn't been given his Darth Vader's theme and it's mm. just that really minor key brass kind of sinister fanfare. That's what it sounds like. He could like. totally be the bad guy. Yeah. Mm. And I, in some ways they are presenting him on screen as the bad guy as well, like... You know, Dan, you were saying with the, you know, being in the shadows and the mm. different things, that could be the bad guy. It um, could be, yeah. We could be seeing, you know, uh, Belloc discovering uh, the, 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 the idol at the start um, rather than our hero. And we stumble on the hero. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I thought that's a sort of really cool way. But, uh, of course, they get into the temple and uh, there's some really cool little, uh, you know, uh, choices that John William makes uh, as they go through the temple. 
and specifically when they're at the uh, spider scene. But uh, oh, I love this. Uh, before we go talk too much, let's uh, have a listen. Isn't that a cool effect? Yeah. There's so many interesting things going on there. We've got Bartok snaps and yeah. is, is that a, a, a gong or something being yes, hit? Yes, no, yeah. it absolutely starts with a gong mm-hmm. and even like a gong scraped. Right. Um, they even have a uh, marked in the score at some bits in the score, uh, scrape with a super ball. Oh, wow. Ooh, like what's a, su- a super, a super a ball? A super ball is like... Like basically those rubber bouncy balls you'd get as a kid, you know. Oh. Even the ones you win in those little machines, yeah. the lolly machines. But wow. if you rub it around the, the rim of the of the gong, it creates this sort of really kind of interesting sound texture. Yeah, cool. And that, that, that's uh, some of the things going on there. And, uh, well, you know, the, what you just heard there with all of that exploding of little, uh, little notes um, is an effect called pizzicato, which is uh, simply the... The strings, instead of using a bow, uh, they will use their fingers to pluck at the strings. And the cool part about that uh, part in the film is the, you know, that Indiana's working, walking along and his partner, who's the partner again? What's the name? It's Alfred Molina in his first screen oh, role. Oh, yeah. yeah. He yeah, goes yeah. on to be in Spider-Man, uh, Spider-Man 2 and um, Frida as well. Many, many great roles. What, what was his character name in this? Do we ever Ooh. find out? Um, yeah, no, he does. He does have a name. It is ooh, Wild uh, Dan Satipo. Satipo. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't remember that at all. Um, anyway, so so while Satipo is uh, walking along, we see a single spider. Mm. Uh, is it on Indy's shoulder or is it on Satipo's shoulder? Uh, oh, it's on it's on Satipo's, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and we get uh, mimicked uh, or mirrored by that. We have in the orchestra the lead violin player, the concertmaster, plays a single pizzicato notes and you hear these little beep, boop, beep, boop, doot. Thank you, Nick. <laughs> My pleasure. And, you know, representing the single spider and, of course, he, uh, Indiana gets him to turn around and he's mm. covered in spiders and the violins just explode into a whole pile of uh, pizzicati that is actually a technically improvised. It's not written on the score. Oh, look, it, it sort of is. Um, oh, there's a whole t- jumble oh. of, of crazy notes, but it <laughs> basically says play them as fast as possible and swell up to a massive crescendo and then back down. So it's And it's how you get that, that effect of an explosion of random notes because I think it would be almost impossible, not totally impossible, but almost impossible to notate that for oh, the orchestra. Absolutely, yeah, you couldn't. You just could have, yeah. Go nuts is, is the, the the layman's term of writing that. <laughs> and it's such an interesting effect, though. I think it really helps to, you know, hammer home that creepiness. And, and along with the gong and the ball and all of these sort of very unnatural, mm. uh, you know, sounds are being thrown at us and it yeah. really matches what we're seeing on the screen. Yeah, we have entered a horrible cave. <laughs> mm. Indeed. And, of course, uh, continuing along the uh, the cave 
uh, we, of course, get to the idol room, and there's a whole bunch of um, interesting uh, music there. And Nick, what <clears throat> do you have something for us for that one? Uh, I do. What I love about this section is the fact that the trepidation in Indiana Jones and even in his kind of foot movements are really mirrored by what the orchestra is doing. And it's basically having all the string section um, in unison. Unison meaning they're all playing the same note, possibly in octaves, um, but it's the same single line. And it creates this really, I guess, point of focus. Um, and the lack of any deep harmony is really kind of unsettling. And it sounds very careful and cautious. Um, and this is not the only time John Williams uses this kind of technique. There are bits at the very beginning of E.T., which, as we all know, was released a year later in 1982. Um, but it also has moments of sort of trepidation and unison. And he goes from this unison into two-part writing, which basically means there's now two lines kind of competing, and this kind of idea grows. So I'll play you, I'll play you bits of Raiders and kind of contrast it with the similar passages in E.T., and you'll, you'll really get a sense of, of what the music is doing here. Now E.T., really uses the orchestra at the full edges of the register, really high and really low. And back to Raiders, but building. E.T. See if you can notice some similarities to Herman's Psycho, Bernard Herman's Psycho. So, from my eyes, or my ears at least, it's almost like the... the they all have a similar element, which is one of extreme caution mm -hmm. and sort of an unsured footing. Mm. Um, I mean, that, that last cue from Psycho is what opens the film, apart from the, the overture or the prologue. Mm. Um, and we just have this long panning zoom down into the, into the window. Um, but it's just, it's all, it's descending. Yeah. You know, it's descending strings, whereas in the Indiana Jones stuff, it's a bit more meandering. You know, it's mm. a bit more unsure. But generally, it's, it's heading up. It's mm. heading up, you know, just like Indy is heading towards your idol. He's, he's reaching his goal. Um, and it's, it's writing you just don't hear that often in films. That psycho cue is actually, believe it or not, my favorite from that score. I mean, it's got 
amazing earth-changing music and yet that one I think is the first one that really tells you like something is wrong in this film and it's because of that restlessness that you're drawing out there that we also get in E.T. and in Raiders where it's sort of like yeah we don't really know what's going on something you know we're waiting for the drama to arrive absolutely yeah, I think it's really, really interesting writing. And, and of course, Herman and John Williams were friends. Um, or uh, I read an interview actually with John Williams recently where he basically said it's difficult to describe really being friends with Bernard Herman, such as the angry man that he was. But, um, but you know, we knew each other and respected each other and, um, you know, sought each other's opinion on various things. Yeah. Mm. And Andrew, like this, this cue, as, as Indy gets towards the idol, I know we've spoken about how you... You think it sounds like the music is singing? Yeah, I I really believe that. I and it goes through my head every single time I watch this. And and once again, seeing this live with the MSO and the orchestra and being in all of those rehearsals where you really get to sit there and and hear it multiple times, it's you know you could write words to this. And uh, so if what would maybe they say? <laughs> I'll, I'll reveal it at the end. Okay. But if you could uh, you could cue this up, Nick, yeah. and we'll we'll hear. This is right towards. The end, and uh, Indy's getting closer to the idol. course that finishing on that that really high single note uh you know signifying that indiana's flipped the idol into his hands and put the this you know uh, sack of sand mm-hmm. onto the uh the place where it used to be and we don't know whether he's been successful or not but to answer your uh well to you know give up the information from that from your previous statement you know in me it's in my mind it's it's a case of like a you know Am I right? Is it going to be right? Going to make it. Going to make it. Who knows? And it, it's sort of constantly asking a question. There yeah. is, uh, you know, it's building, you know, it's moving upwards. There's more and more anticipation. And more it's, importantly, it's not answered. It's no. Left, it's left yep. completely hanging no. in midair. There's no payoff whatsoever here. Musically. Yeah. Musically, there's no payoff. And I think, once again, this is such a great Williams uh, choice where he leaves the question stops the music and it is answered by the visuals where we see that he has failed <laughs> and you know the the, the sand um, descends on the um, what would you call that what's that thing they're on like a little Ooh, a, a, a plinth yeah yeah is that what yeah, it is I'll, I'll take it sure yeah. <laughs> and it's the first time we see Harrison Ford's smile that little cheeky yeah, yeah. You know, little, little <laughs> as you know, it's about to sink and mm. all hell is going to break loose. And, and that's booby traps galore. That's Indiana Jones in a, in a nutshell. It's sort mm. of like supreme confidence, <laughs> thinks that he's he's totally nailed it, and yeah. in the end, actually, no, he's sort of screwed up. Yeah. Um, and of course, he uh, he's forced to make a run from it, and uh, we get a cue that you know all hell breaks loose Don't as they escape. And there's booby traps galore, and they they get more and more ludicrous. Yeah, and this really brings us up to, uh, you know, one of the moments in the film. Um, in my mind, it's the first joke of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really, you know, there are all these traps and they're, you know, sort of pretty brutal traps and on some level you can imagine them existing 
in mm. real life. But this is the first time that, uh, you know, they sort of present you with a booby trap that is sort of ridiculous. And, um, You're talking about the boulder, yes. We are the boulder, yeah, absolutely. And uh, so let's just have a... Um, uh, actually, no, let's not hear it first. Instead of explaining what's about to happen, uh, I found an interview uh, with John Williams talking about this very moment. So let's have a listen. Starting first and foremost with all things in film, rhythm. Rhythm, it's all timing. It's not so much what you do before the eye, it's when you do it. How do you write music for rolling boulders? Hard. <laughs> it's hard. And again, you have that, the rumble of the rock, and, which will wipe out most of the music, and it does take away a lot of it. My solution was to get up high in the orchestra and use trumpets. I probably had three or four of them in the London Symphony when we recorded that, and, and do, do high repeated notes over and over and over as this rock would go that, in a register of the orchestra and on the loudest instruments in the orchestra, the trumpets to penetrate the sound effects track as, as much as I could and to grab the ear of the listener. Yeah, great, so there it? we go. Yeah, I'll, I'll correct John Williams. It is exactly three trumpets. <laughs> <laughs> his, his memory's a bit foggy at the age of 85. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, it, so it's three trumpets. Mm. Um, you know, I, I like to mirror this with the, the ludicrous physicality of what is going on on screen, this massive boulder. Indiana Jones basically being put through the ringer. Um, John Williams has done the same thing with the trumpet section. This stuff is frighteningly difficult to play. You know, it requires huge stamina from, from the trumpets and um, a lot of lip, um, um, you know, f- fidelity or, or um, decisiveness, should I say. And it's, um, it sounds difficult and it looks difficult on paper. It looks difficult on screen for what he's doing. <laughs> and it, it all works beautifully together. Can mm. we have a listen to it? Because um, it was yeah. sort of underscored with uh, the interview. But let's, let's hear yeah. it properly because it really is a wonderful little and pay kit. attention to everything else in the orchestra apart from the trumpets because they're actually not doing a great deal. <laughs> And of course, you know, we have to give a little little second place effort to the horns and the trombones who have a bar and a half of it. You know, they certainly don't miss out. But, uh, the but trumpets that, that's such a moment where, where the orchestra could slow down so easily. Mm. Because, yeah. I mean, it's one thing to, to start uh, the, the statement and to keep pressing through with the trumpets. And, and you know, like Nick said, it's, it's brutally hard. But to jump in in the middle of that and then just nail it as well is really quite something. I mean, it's yeah. it's was wonderful to watch, wonderful to hear, and and it's yeah, it's a great little little moment yeah. in the film. It's also a great reminder as well is that being a good film composer is not just about being able to create amazing music for what's happening on screen, but actually have to deal with sound effects as well. Yeah, and it's I love the fact that he thought to himself well, there's going to be a boulder. It's going to be all of this rumbling and low mm. sounds. So I'm going to choose some of the highest instruments in, um, certainly the most piercing instruments in the orchestra, and I'm just going to, you know, 
have that sort of sailing over the top. And uh, yeah, it's once again, you, you don't always hear that in a lot of modern mm. uh, film composers because you I can sort of do whatever you want. Yeah, a lot of composers wouldn't think about that and they'd kind of be really miffed that, uh, <laughs> you know, upset that, oh, my music got destroyed by the sound effects. Well, <laughs> uh, you know, what did you expect? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe it's a time constraint thing. But yeah, having that insight and, you know, having, I guess, uh, some respect for the other parts of the of the filmmaking process that go in, you know, mm. he's, he's respected the sound effects guys that, that really that boulder sound needs to be in there to create a certain mood, mm. you know, and sense of, of omnipresence. But so what we've heard so far is really interesting, right? Because it's still reasonably different to what comes after. We haven't had really any thematic melodic material introduced so far. There's no, it hasn't <coughs> happened once. No. Not no, a look, single theme. I think, you know, that's, that's, for me, that's one of my favourite parts of the score is that despite what we've just discussed in the last 10 or 15 minutes, um, there is heaps of thematic stuff going on in this score. You know, we discussed the themes in the last episode, um, but I think it's the way John Williams writes his themes and more importantly how he develops his themes um, that I find really satisfying. Um, mm. You know, I mean, look, let's, let's, let's start with Marion's theme. Um, you know, we first hear it um, in one of the, you know, the... the the soon-to-follow cues. Um, it's basically Indy at his home and him's talking with Marcus Brody and they just bring her up in conversation and it's a really simple, subtle presentation of this theme. Right, then it goes off into the arc stuff. Um, you know, it's it's very simple. A mm. At the time, I mean, you might not even identify it as Marion's theme. We've never seen her. We just sort of hear it. Which actually plays into, yet again, yep. uh, Dan's um, theory <laughs> of, you know... Thinking of her. Yeah, mm. we're, well, we're presented with Indy thinking about her. Absolutely. And, and we, we, we do not hear it when uh, she turns up for the first time actually, you know, shot on film. That's no. true. In Nepal, Absolutely. I don't think we hear it there at all. This uh, your your theory is just looking better and better as we, <laughs> as we go through this. And and what I also like in terms of when thinking about this as being Indy's memory, uh, what makes it feel like a uh, you know memory from the past is all of those high strings that make it yep. feel like it's it's emerging from his memory. Is yeah. oh Marion like flickering film? Yeah, or exactly. Yeah. I haven't thought about her in a long time, and you. You know, you have the emergence of that theme very simply and then all of those sort of really high violins that help to sort of really make it feel like it's a, you know, dim, dark past memory mm -hmm. that they're invoking by just mentioning her and her father. It sounds wistful. Mm. It does. Mm. And like, you know, I was going through the score the other week and like there's not actually that many instances of, of Marion's theme in the film, but every time they come, they're so, they're so differently presented. Um, you know, when I think of... Uh, like to, to go the polar opposite of what we just heard in the basket game, you know, Indy has, they've got this crazy chase and at the very end, the truck explodes that he thinks has Marion in it and we're presented with this sort of hugely impassioned, overwrought, uh, kind of tragic presentation of it, you know, which then kind of dissolves into complete sorrow and, and almost like regret for mm. Marion's theme. Have a listen. Thank you. 
explosion of the truck. Not really gorgeous, is it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> depressing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, you're 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 right. I mean, and and yet more evidence. I mean, it's you know, Marion knows she's not dead, and mm. the audience probably suspects she's not because it's halfway through the film, and we're not watching Psycho. You know, <laughs> where <laughs> we, we assume that the heroes will make it at least until the climax, and so, but the the only person who thinks she's dead is Indy. Yeah, and once again. His mm. thought of her Absolutely. being dead yep. is, uh, <laughs> you know, represented in that version yeah. of the uh, Marion's theme. Yeah. Mm. And then, we look, you know, we get her, I guess, almost the first time where she's actually seen in person where her theme plays. I think he's on the submarine later in the film. Yeah, that's Which, correct. I mean, that's yeah. We're talking like yeah. three quarters of the way through the film here. Mm. So, we, we wait a long time to kind of join the person we're thinking about. Well, well there, the is, there is the time where it's presented in a really happy, joyous way when they take the plane from Peru to Cairo. Yep. But she's not on screen. No, she's not. And in some ways, I imagine them, you know, uh, as a wonderful reunion. But, you know, this is really the first moment where she is actually on screen and yep. she actually gets her, her yep. theme. And, and he kind of develops it a bit more as well. I think the, the solo flute here really, it's simple, but it sort of lures us in. So shimmering strings again. Maybe Indiana. <laughs> He's nervous. <laughs> and then as she starts to kiss all his bruises and injuries, the harmony comes in and all of a sudden we're in the language of romance. the sound of Indiana Jones falling asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I love how it leaves off there as well because you feel like it's gotten too romantic and yeah, can't yeah. possibly go where it's suggesting it's going to go. Absolutely. And it's so almost through the force of its own, you know, um, passion, it exhausts itself and 
Yeah, and it's almost like it's a real throwback. Then that mm. it's almost like the film saying, "Hang on, hang on, you, you, you can't go this." Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's almost like um, in some of the modern day Shrek films, they'll have really overt romantic things, and then like they'll have a picture of the orchestra and they're kind of collapsing in a heap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like it's doing that. Mm. And, and what's that that instrument that? Descends at right end? at the end. That's a, it's, that's a Celeste. It's a end. Celeste, okay. Because yeah. it always sounds like a Rhodes almost um, um, coming down at the end. Well, it's, pl- it's played on the synth. Yeah, um, okay. That, I mean, when I did it in concert, we had a synth. Yeah. Um, so it's sort of a, yeah, I mean, Celeste Rhodes. But sound. yeah, I mean, it, that, that Celeste thing is perfect for the yeah. falling asleep because mm. if you think of the um, classic, you know, Rockabye, often played on the Celeste, and there's that sort of Celeste childlike toy box type thing. Yeah, you know, descending. And he's uh, snoring away. So, mm. yeah, really effective. I just check the score. It is, in fact, a Rhodes. Well done, Andrew. Oh, come on. <laughs> Extra credit for you. <laughs> oh, so rarely am I right. <laughs> now, of course, you know, the the only other time we really hear Marion's theme, um, a little bit at the end um, when she meets Indy at the steps. And then, of course, we get the sort of the concert version, you know, in, in the end credits. And that's, um, you know, John Williams doing his 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 thing and wrapping things up nicely. Um, you know, and he gets to develop it even further, and it's it's glorious and it's lush. Um, so that's yeah, I, I just love how he treats this theme kind of differently throughout the film, and qu- quite often in a simple way. Um, but it's yeah, it's 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 one of his 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 genius traits mm. um, is developing things. Now, of course, we can't we can't overlook the Indiana Jones theme, um, which, as we discussed earlier, is not the oppressive brass uh, <laughs> descending. Uh, bit that Andrew <laughs> Andrew picked up on earlier. Um, where do we first hear the indie theme? Well, well it's yeah. It's, no, you go, Dan. Yeah, it's We're about uh, to fight each other for <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, it's towards uh, the end of that opening sequence. Really, it's it's after he's done his heroism. It's after he's done the the, the definitely played for laughs escape from the the, the, the natives. natives. Yeah. Uh, he's uh, gone into the river. He's getting onto the plane. And finally, after all of that, we hear we hear something of Indy. I love the most about that just listening to it again is if we go back to our discussion of the main indie theme in our previous episode how I was talking about how it seems too set it's it's it doesn't reflect the making it up as you go it along well that does because there's three shots at it the first time is rushed and the harmony's sort of not there and it's sort of a bit all over the place then they have another shot at it again and it's a bit more collected and then finally the third time it's like ah there it is <laughs> And something else I, I heard actually while while you were playing that, which uh, matches the once again matches the vision so beautifully, is you get a musical representation of the plane uh, spluttering to life. Yep. You you get these uh, 
you know, little twirling around of the strings, but they don't quite get around. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, the propeller sort of trying to start, the plane trying to start, even with the, uh, you know, the snare drum and, the, you know, it sort of sounds like an engine backfiring yep. almost <laughs> and, it, and it's, yep. you know, sort of coming to life. Um, it, chuck that on again, Nick. The, right, it's right at the start, so we don't have to wait too long. Um, but there's some really cool little propeller. I love. There's so much propeller music in this mm, in this score, absolutely. and um, this is a, probably the first example of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like it's trying here to get up. Yeah. Ah, there it is. <laughs> it's real kind of Captain America up yeah. to save the day. It, it, it really is it's like the orchestra's like had a couple of shots and like finally they're like, oh yeah, here's the opening title. That's the one we meant to do the first yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, it's great, isn't it? It's mm. such a it's such a great way to finish that sequence too, yeah. because um so much of that well the entire sequence is sinister and mm -hmm. and uh, scary and oppressive and uh, you know, is he going to make it and what's going on and probably one of the scarier parts of the film, Definitely. really. Yeah. Um, you see a pretty brutal death early on yeah. and, you know, it's the first time that actually says to you it's going to be all right. Yeah. You know? And it really, it kind of sets the tone for the rest of the film as well. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, most of the film is kind of, Yes, there are dark bits, but it does have that optimism, yeah. you know, mm. driving it along. And definitely the, the, the idea that, you know, this guy's just done some pretty amazing feats and hasn't been that bothered by them, certainly wasn't bothered by all those spiders, and yet gets in the cockpit, uh, cockpit and is, you know, freaked out by the snake. Yep. <laughs> it, it, it really is playing against that, that character. It's, it's great how it does yep. that. Um, and next time we hear Indy's theme, which I love, is like kind of the next cue pretty much, um, is when we segue to, to Indy's home. And it's a very sad, kind of lonely clarinet version. It's not often in the Indiana Jones series we hear it performed like this. Have a listen. Almost the polar opposite of that mm. of that opening heroic cue. This is like Indy's actually just a sad, lonely bachelor. You yeah. know, I think <laughs> An we see him. Yeah, academic. Yeah. He's, he's, a, he's kind of like a even nerd. worse than the bachelor. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's. Yeah. I mean, he's in his he's in his kind of like uh, kind of Hugh Hefner yeah. um, mm. dressing gown. Um, I think you know he has a bit of champagne when Brody comes over. But he's yeah, he's a bachelor. He's got glasses on. He's sort of mm. a bit dorky. He loves his books. Um, he's just completely geeked out over the arc with the Washington men. Um, yeah, and well, it's a shadow of the of the previous theme. He, he is a different man. I mean, in in my, you know, I've always thought of Indiana as almost a Superman type character. Mm. Who, yeah, this is Clark Kent. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah he's he's here as, as Clark Kent, and so you get a version of the theme which is sort of slightly dorky, slightly sad, certainly uh, singular. You have a single mm. instrument, a single voice. You know, playing his theme very slowly and, and low in the register. And, uh, yeah, to sort of juxtapose that heroic, you know, brass and everything else. Also shows how out of place he is in a domestic scene. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, this character, this piece of music can't exist in this space. No. Yeah. No, yeah. Um, you know, and again, let, let, let's, let's have another listen to, there's a couple other spots, especially later on in the film in the desert chase where um, the theme really kind of gets a bit of a, a workout in the development and it's often, it's, it's not always heroic. It's often kind of like neutral. It's like Indy's kind of, it's like a work in progress kind of theme or it's, it sometimes can be even oppressive. Um, so this little passage in the desert chase, which has this fantastic uh, textbook Williams kind of brass fanfare in the middle, but you really hear yeah, the, the sort of element of mission in progress. I really love that moment. I love the uh, that non-Indiana theme where is it is he jumping onto a horse? It's where he, yeah he comes out of a tent on a white horse. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's a horse doing in the tent, yeah. but he's like he just bursts onto the screen, bursts out of the tent. Yeah, as a white horse, and you're like, all right, he's he's going to chase the ark. He's going <laughs> to he's going to get stuff done. And that that little uh, figure that the strings do right at the end there as well. The I mean, it's it's almost a bit um, Star Wars as well in that that sort yeah. of like it's rolling like yeah we're rolling out the main theme now like mm. we're trying to collect ourselves but here we go we're off I mean yeah. I, I hear the the rhythm of the horse you know mm. it's that 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 uh, galloping right, galloping sort of you know uh, yeah. you can imagine him you know racing forward yeah. mm. and and it feels it's almost it, it's different to the concert version though you know it really has it's almost kind of rushed. And it's there's a freneticism of yeah of him on the chase and on, mm. on the mission that I think is really is really fantastic. Now later in this in that same cure though we kind of hear it. I think Indy's stuck under a truck, um, <laughs> and he's sort of in that great bit where he's sliding with the whip and he's sort of hanging on for life. And the theme it, it's there, but it's really being like it's oppressive. It's being kind of squished and pounded by metal on screen and like just clanging on the rest of the orchestra. Have, have, have a listen.
and it's almost like a mirror of that opening scene where the, the orchestra's singing, help me, help me, help me, oh God, I'm going to die, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, you know, it's, I mean, that, that's the B theme, boom, boom, boom. It's really, it's, mm. it's, under, it's under pressure. And guys. we spoke about that in, in episode one with that B theme being, you know, representative of having to do some work. Mm. You know, mm. and uh, it's interesting that they use the B theme through this section here because he's having to work for it. Yeah. You know, he's really getting hammered. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if you guys had to list like your favorite performance of the Indiana Jones theme in this film, where would it be? Because I, I know where mine would be. Yeah, I know where mine is. Do you know where yours is, Dan? Look, are we all on the same page? Here? I, I think we are all. We, on the we same all have page. knowing smiles. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's got to be the submarine. The it's submarine. the submarine. Yeah. Of course, it's the submarine. It's it's the it's the first time that the theme is presented uh, in full. Mm-hmm. Uh, first time in the movie. Yeah, and it's. Glorious and happy and, uh, yeah. It's his superhero moment. Oh, it is the actual mm. superhero moment. Absolutely, mm. absolutely. When, it's interesting when you say performed in full. I, 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 I totally agree and I reckon it's that second key change. We always get, you know... But we haven't moved keys. It's this bit. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that semitone lift up, we've never had it. That's what completes the theme. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think this is the first time in the film where, where we get it. And of course, you know, we're, speaking of submarine, we are, we are taking a leaf, and John Williams is absolutely taking a leaf out of those Errol Flynn kind of swashbuckling, you know, like the best. Uh, yeah, <laughs> all that Eric Wolfgang, Wolfgang Korngold music mm. that he wrote for, for the Seahawk. So let's, let's have a listen to a bit of Raiders and a bit of Korngold just for comparison. What is it about them that is so similar? Mm. I mean, there's the... I guess it's that open... It's very major. Yep. Lots of major chords. Yep. Fanfare-esque. Yeah, the brass is allowed to do its own thing, I suspect, without having to worry about melody or sound effects in both cases. Uh, Sorry, not melody, uh, dialogue or sound effects in both cases. Yeah, uh, I mean, I guess it's in the the way that the brass is voiced as well and... Mm. I don't know, but it, it, it does feel like a high adventure. Yep. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. it's it's like there's there's it's open waters for the orchestra. You yeah. know, there's yeah. nothing there's nothing in their way. Mm. Um, Is this also the first time in the Indiana theme? I think this helps to at least present it to me as the first time we hear it properly. That descending yeah. line. I was going to say that. I think that's the only time it does it. Yeah, totally. I never thought of that. It's was that? Bridge of a River Choir? Yeah. I mean, it's really, it's a total march here. But it's the Allies march. It's the good guy march, you know. And uh, it just feels great. And 
it allows that scene. Like to be honest, there are far more heroic things that he does than mm. just jump in the water and swim sure. to a to a submarine that isn't really moving. But <laughs> but it is the the, the superhero moment because you know there's that sort of open question in the minds of all the audience members that I'm sure has been asked. I mean, it has been asked many times by viewers since. Is you know, how does he survive? <laughs> this is a submarine. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's not a yacht. <laughs> I always, even as a young kid, I thought. Does, and actually, I think as a young kid, very specifically, I thought, does he hold his breath yeah. during all of right. this? I just, oh, probably. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. watching it as an adult, mm. I'm like, oh, no, they probably just sail along yeah. without diving at any point. Or he breaks his way into the top. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. But, it, but, but the music is telling us, who cares? Yeah, doesn't matter. This is Indiana Jones. Yep. This is his big musical moment. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Mm. It's so great. Mm. And it's, you know... Um, it's also, it's a kind of, there's an element of traveling about it, you know, and it's when we talk about open water and high mm. adventure, it's, it's very looking forward. It's, mm-hmm. it's completely optimistic. Um, and there's, you know, speaking of traveling, there's a few, some of the other great things I love about this score are, of course, the traveling sequences and more specifically, the map sequences. Yep. yep. Definitely, um, you know, and there's, there's only a couple of them in this film, but they, they're, they're so iconic now. I mean, you see, you see, like, um, I think it's like a theme in iMovie on the Mac or something. Yeah. <laughs> you can, like, do your own little map sequence. I mean, this is yeah. it, guys. This is where it started. Yep. Is, is this where it actually started, though? Were there well, other films well, that no, they're, they're taking they're, off? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, don't tell me that. You're breaking no, my heart. No, 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 no. no. But, I mean, it, it's not that they're taking off them. I mean, it's uh, they, um, they're paying reference. They're paying homage to um, old serials. And, it, I mean, even films like Casablanca begins with a, a map sequence. I don't, I don't know if you've seen it recently with the, you know, thousands waiting Casablanca and wait and wait, you know, <laughs> over a map um, at yeah, the beginning right. of the yep. film. And, yep. it, you know, I mean, it's a, a sort of an old storytelling technique of that 30s and 40s era, which obviously disappeared very quickly and that they're, they're bringing back. But you're right with the iMovie sequence, the, the colour scheme and everything is 100% Indiana Jones. Mm. So, so that's where that particular thing comes from. I think even the advertising for the MSO, didn't they use, a, didn't they use that exactly thing? Coming? We may have... No, we did. I, I we remember seeing it. Yeah, we, yeah, we did a thing where we, we had the plane go from uh, Peru to Cairo to Melbourne. Awesome. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Very and, nice. Uh, yeah. We've got a good marketing yeah. team, what can I say? Mm. Um, yeah, so... <laughs> and musically, I mean, you know, I've heard John Williams speak about these map sequences that he, you know, he loves writing for them because they're really sort of tongue-in-cheek way of, of imbuing a sense of locale into, um, you know, and, and cultural location into these places. In the first one, we go from, you know, Washington to Nepal. So there's a, you know, an an overtly kind of uh, eastern kind of sound that comes into the orchestra. The second time, I think we go from Nepal to Cairo. Cairo, yeah. Um, you know, obviously there's a, there's a more Egyptian flavour that, that comes in. Um, so, and, and look, the two map sequences are quite different. The first one's full of uh, trepidation. We're not quite sure what he's going to find in Nepal. Um, will Marion be there? Will uh, Ravenwood, Marion's father, be there? Will the medallion be there? And we've just seen the the Nazi spy on the plane board board with Indiana. So we we are kind of he's worried. in danger. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
violas in fourths, very uh, overtly Eastern Oriental kind of flavor. And that's uh, Tot, the evil henchman. <laughs> There's my propeller music again in the strings. There's a gong, you know, those little wind bells. That's great. All the cliches are in there. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. But I it, mean, yeah. like, it, yeah, the cliches are there, but it's not, like, it could be much more overt. Like, I mean, if you look at some of those earlier 30s films like Steiner, uh, the, the you know, the stuff that Max Steiner does, like in Casablanca, even just to go back to that example, you know, whenever the French walk on screen, it's the Marseillais, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, it, it's it's definitely flavoured and it's textured yeah. and it's really, I think it's, you know, but it but it is subtle, you know. Subtle-ish. Yeah. And, you know, people always associate fourths with, with China and, and, and places like that. And it's very subtle here. It just has mm. a sort of low register, yeah. you know, little kind of riff going on that, that hints at that. Mm. Um, and it's very different to the second map cue. You know, like I said before, that's very kind of cautious and unsure. Um, when they're off to Cairo, it's... It's, it's good times. It's good times, you know. Yeah. They've beaten, they've got the medallion, he's re, reunited with Marion. What could go wrong? Let's, let's go off, you know, find the ark and, and get home. Oh, there's those pro- propellers once more. Very uh, uh, kind of Egyptian, ar- yeah. almost Arabic, We've ar- got ar- Arabic scale there. In Lawrence the- of Arabia there, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Some hammered dulcimer mm-hmm. in there. It helps really, um, you know, give that otherworldly sort of flavour to it when you hear those that hammered dulcimer sound. Yeah. Which is also used uh, with Howard Shore um, as the theme for uh, Gollum. Mm. Once again, an otherworldly character. Is so. Gollum Egyptian, is he? He is, originally. <laughs> mm. <laughs> We'd have to ask Tolkien. But that scale that they land on at the end, there, it's a, a harmonic minor. Uh, but starting on the fifth, isn't it? Um, no, well, I mean, it can. I mean, I'm, I'm starting on the tonic there. Oh, how dare you? You know, I mean, even think of, um, I mean, Jerry Goldsmith's music for The Mummy yeah. was like mm. full of that, you yeah. know. Um, he just had like strings doing that all through that score. And it's actually that, that third note. Can you just play up the scale there? So, da, 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 that there. So that's the major third. Yeah. Um, so the, it sounds both major and minor all at the same time. Yeah. And, and I think that one of the reasons is that it's often paired with um, chords that like a if I do a step down to a D minor, you often hear um, something like the, I think music in Ben-Hur has similar elements. Yes. And of course, the third there is an F. 
Exactly, Lawrence of Arabia, yeah. but, it, mm. but it could be. Yeah. You know, it could be anything like that. Mm. Um, and how mm. that came about, I don't know. I mean, it's probably harks back to Scheherazade, Rimsky, Korsakov, somewhere along the lines. Yeah, those scales made their way into the the Western canon. Because I, I remember being very disappointed hearing actual Egyptian music, mm. like folk music. So nothing it, like it's it. not. It's not that. <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, I, I suppose in a way that's. I mean, reinforces that. I mean, this movie is. I mean, not just uh, shot from a, a Western perspective when we're talking about exoticness. I mean, it's exotic from mm. white people essentially, right? Mm. But. Um, also from Indiana Jones' point of view, when we're talking about if that theory that we've spoken a million times about now is Indy thinking of Marion, I mean, this is also Indy's perspective on the world, is that he views these places as different. You know, he's not a local to yep. Egypt. He's not a local to Nepal. And so this is the musical mode of, you know, his own... Uh, you know, his own mobileness in the world. And rescuing artifacts from the natives. Yeah, well, yes. <laughs> we won't go into yeah. that, do we? <laughs> it also sounds like Harvin Nagila. Oh, oh yeah. That's true. Yeah. Well, uh, look, actually, no, I mean, it's worth, worth pointing out that, um, you know, John Williams had won his first Academy Award Oscar. for Fiddler on the Roof. Adapting Fiddler on the Roof, absolutely. Mm. Oh, there we go. And every time I see the stage show, I saw it in New York just last year, I was like, this isn't the John Williams version. This is the original. It's got, you know, I mean, it's still fantastic, but it was just mm. missing all the extra bits I loved about it. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, tradition does that uh, same, uh, same yeah. thing that you've been pointing out yeah. with the harmony. It yeah. does, yeah. And of course, a, uh, an action-adventure film mm-hmm. would be nothing without its action-adventure set pieces. Yeah. And so, Dan, I thought you could, um, you could walk us through some of the, the biggest, most complicated cues, really, of yeah. the entire film. And, and Nick can maybe even mm. you know, shed some light on what it was actually like to conduct this with the, uh, with the orchestras live. But, mm. uh, yeah, Dan, what can you, what, where are we, where well, we going to start? The, these are some of my favourite cues. And they're, they're really, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that goes on with Indiana Jones in the, the I mean, Raiders of the Lost Ark, but, you know, all three of the films in particular, but the action cues are really unique uh, in that they are from an era where people still wrote melodies for an action scene. And each action action scene had its own kind of musical identity. That's not something we really see these days, and it's actually not really something we've seen in a while, but the Indiana Jones films, all three of them, have it. Um, And starting, you know, with Raiders, um, it's just... Fantastic. I mean, maybe Nick will disagree with me because they're just so hard to play. <laughs> but um, maybe, maybe not this one so much. So the, the the first major action scene and action cue that we get is the basket game, uh, and it definitely gets its own musical identity. This is when uh, when uh, Indy is chasing Marion and she's put in a basket uh, and is being carried off. But it does it does get its own little melody. It's it's a really nice nice thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I mean, you know, that, I mean, that, that, that's the other thing as well is that that's exactly the kind of thing that could be kind of extracted from the score and turned into its own little suite. I mean, uh, it may have even been. Uh, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I think I have heard a concert version of it mm. once, but it's not mm. very you know widely performed. Mm. No, but it's the kind of thing you know, as with Star Wars, like in The Empire Strikes Back with the asteroid field uh, in particular, yeah. which you know, kind of sounds like that a bit. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah um, I can't really play that. Yeah, something mm. like that. Yeah, it has yeah, a yeah. Dum, dum, that kind of yeah. awkward kind of intervals, and mm. it's um, for me, it sounds like the music of Prokofiev. Mm. It really, I mean, you listen to this melody. It's like pick a key. It's very, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's sort of it's dance like, but it's it's not really centered in anything. It's mm. quite jaunty, uh, and I, I wonder what. Like what made him choose something like this? Mm. Um, well, ma- maybe that's what makes it comical as well. Absolutely, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, and that it, I mean, it is jaunty, right? Yeah. It, it uh, as that's a good word that you used. In that, yeah, it's it's lighthearted, it's playful. Um, it yep. sort of indicates that this is a scene which we don't need to take that seriously. You know, there's full of great moments like in the sequence where, you know, the, the probably one of the most famous uh, bits of, of all of the Indiana Jones films is when the uh, the guy turns up with a huge sword flourishes and the crowd parts <laughs> and uh, Indiana Jones just pulls out the gun and shoots him. I mean, this is an action scene that is played 99% up until that one last percent where we we think Marion's died. 99% it's for laughs. It's fun. Yeah. And the gunshot is uh, heard and then John Williams finishes the joke with that last note. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really, it's uh, it's vision and music playing off of each other in, in a really, really nice way. I, I, also, I also wonder, the horns are so kind of brash and in your face. Maybe they're mm. mirroring the, uh, the upset tummy that... Harrison Ford was rumoured to have <laughs> no yeah not rumoured I'm pretty sure that is actually true that uh, he'd done that fight sequence with that guy who was setting it up with the the, the sword fighter uh, and uh, just literally didn't have the stomach for it apparently someone on set called out just shoot him Indy and that's where it came from <laughs> So that that was that was not um, Harrison Ford himself saying I've got this idea. Uh, the the way I've heard it told, uh, I mean, it was uh, definitely truthfully, definitely improvised on the set on the day. Right. Yeah. But I, I, the way I've heard it told is it was just sort of the cast screaming out, "Just shoot him!" And it's and it's the perfect Indiana moment. Oh, it, it's the dirty fighter. You know, take your advantage where you yep. can. Um, he doesn't necessarily yep. play by the rules and yep. and have overly um. You know, he's not an honourable man yeah, per yeah. se. So, yeah, so, so, so much so that they then go back and parrot it in uh, Temple of Doom where he goes to shoot the, the two people at the end with swords and then realises that he has lost his gun. <laughs> Which now, now that I learn is a prequel means that uh, yeah, this is the resolution of that moment. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Finally Great. remembered to bring his gun with him. Great. Yeah, like, yeah. First of all, I forgot it. Now I'm. Now yeah. I've got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, the film is is full of these great little action cues as well. Um, the flying wing fight, uh, where we have the the, the huge uh, the boxer Burley, yeah. yeah, with his great moustache and uh, how he, you know, you, you see him. Uh, see Indy turn up and it's like he's relishing the moment. He's like, oh, thank God, finally somebody that I can uh, practice my skills on. Mm. Um, and the, the the thing that I really like about this is that it's one of also another few things. I mean, we've been talking as well about the propellers, um, but uh, this is a slower propeller and, mm. it's, and it's, it's used a few times uh, throughout the Indiana Jones series. It's also used in the Last Crusade when he's interrogating uh, the, the the guy from the Brotherhood of the the Cruciform Sword. Yep. Um, uh, with the the propellers boat that's out of the water. Um, but here we hear have with the flying wing. We hear its propeller going round and the danger that that presents in the music. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like it's it's sort of reflecting on what we're seeing, but it's also uh, giving this real sense of um, of tension, really. I mean, yeah. we heard John Williams before talking about finding the rhythm of a scene, uh, and I mean, I think that's what he does brilliantly, not just as a thematic composer, but as someone who really understands the drama of, of film, um, is able to pick. Yeah, and I, I see that as, you know, to contrast it with like stuff in the desert chase later, that is, is it's sort of heavy in its boots, it's, it's sort of like it's a few dun, 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 dun. it's a kind of stumbling yep. forward you know against this big heavy oppressive boxer dude mm. you know then the occasional kind of the swings of the fist ring yeah and what's that that violin melody that comes in yeah what does that isn't represent it? <laughs> it's it's sort of really cool once again that's not really something you hear in almost any other cue this sort of really um you know like you said heavy and and militaristic mm. sort of you know lower end and then this okay. really it could be a sound sinister. effect thing you know mm. we probably got um there's you know there's the running of the engine and and stuff and the biffs and maybe it's it John feels Williams. like it's the propeller coming forward as well. It's it that danger is. coming through. Yeah, and because mm. it's so high, we, we hear it over the over the sound effects and the rest of the orchestra. Well, that's true. There's a lot going on in this scene yeah. um, from a sound effect point of view. Um, and I mean, from that, I mean, why don't we talk about the desert chase? Uh, because I mean, the, the the each of these action cues follow each other really, and and there is some material that's carried over between the two. But the desert chase is, I mean, it's the huge. I mean, it's the action set piece of the film really, uh, yeah. and certainly the musical action set piece and, and, and the bit that probably wears out the, the orchestra, orchestra the most. most. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember um, watching, it was actually Ben Northey who, who conducted the MSO, mm. but I, I remember talking to him after one of the rehearsals of this cue in particular and he was just exhausted and, I mean, Nick, you've, you've conducted this a bunch of times. Is, uh, is, is this ma- the killer cue? Yeah, it is. It's, it's mm. a marathon. You know, you've got a, it's just, it's stamina. You know, I mean, and I'm just waving my arms. I'm not even playing an instrument at the time. So, yeah, it's it, it's long, you know, and it's long and it builds and there's a big accelerander that goes through it. And you've sort of got to, you've kind of got to drag the orchestra through it. Yeah, a lot of sync points. And, uh, yeah, you know. yeah. So, we've got the main melody COVID, here yeah. as well, which, you know, again. Bit of a Nazi theme. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
I love that accompaniment. It's just like vroom, 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 vroom. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it's kind of interesting as well because all of the uh, villains in this sequence are all kind of exhausted as well at, at various stages. It's sort yeah. of like, yeah, we've got to do this. None of us wants to, but yep, all right, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> mm. uh, and some very, very, very tricky uh, brass work in here as well. Yeah, there's some, there's some stuff I like to kind of call the, the John Williams action triplet. Um, and he, it's stuff he's kind of employed in quite a, you know, a few other films. And there's bits here I reckon is, is straight out of episode four. I'll, I'll have a listen to this. This is some of the, the action material from the desert chase going straight into Star Wars and New Hope. Check it out. Just frenetic writing, but I mean, they, they could almost be the same cue. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I mean, it, uh, it's interesting as well. I don't think we've got it lined up, but um, some of William Walton's music for the Battle of Britain uses similar motifs, and I, I think especially in Star Wars, like that's it. You know, that film is such a huge inspiration for that that work yeah. there. And I find like passing of the of these little motifs and triplets between the bits of the orchestra, it's almost like you know these are little you know this is this particular guy or this particular spaceship. They're, mm. they're all kind of the orchestra is taking part in the battle just like all the different parts of the rebellion are, mm. you know, or different parts of the, the Nazi army in this case. Mm. Um, Definitely. And I mean, as, and as you say, this particular cue, the desert chase, really just ramps up and, and keeps pushing. And towards, towards the end of the cue, it, it, it does some interesting rhythmic stuff, which I interesting, think... Interesting, uh, Dan. Yeah, this, it does the Macarena. Have you guys not noticed this? <laughs> I can't. I cannot unhear this rhythm. Let, let, let me, let me, folks out there, let me have a have a, a serious word with you. Have a listen to this and tell me if this is not the Macarena. <laughs> Maca two, Maca three, Macarena. I mean, it's just—it's just a big, heavy. I mean, John Williams should be a millionaire. I mean, he's yeah. a millionaire. He's probably a gazillionaire, but he should be claiming the royalties from that daggy song with the two Italian dudes. It's yeah, uh, it's, yeah it's great. Uh, and it just accelerates all the way through. Gets faster yeah. and faster and faster. Yeah. Is is that where it then morphs into the Indiana um, theme eventually? I think we heard it earlier. Yeah, we kind of get get that oppressive Indiana Jones thing yeah. kind of fusing with the, you know, it's like Indy can't quite do the Macarena and it's really it's really <laughs> making him have a bad day. <laughs> I mean, I suppose yeah, I mean the reason why I really love the action cues to this film, um I mean it's 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 revealed uh, I think in part by the fact that the first major action sequence of the film doesn't have music. When we have the bar fight uh, in Marion's bar, mm. uh, you're not counting the temple. Uh, it's more an escape sequence, isn't it? Oh, yeah. okay. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, look no, at, I mean, you'd have to say it is an action scene of some description, mm. but it's not a fight scene in the yeah, same right. way as yep. these other ones are. And 
So I guess what we see with Marion's bar sequence is, I mean, we see pure Spielberg in that sense and we see the way that he can shoot an action scene and it's exciting and everything, but it's sort of like we're going to save the Williams-Spielberg combo. We're going to save their action powers for later in the film. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I, I just, yeah, I, I think it's, it's really beautiful how that yeah. works. And I think, mm. you know, as, as, as a composer, silence is as important as yep. sound, you yep. know, and it's, and it was probably a good choice by both of them to just look, let's just leave this one unscored. Mm. Um, let it, let it say its own thing. Definitely. Yeah. I'm sure that would have been discussed a lot because it is strange. Mm. Um, especially for Williams too. I mean, he loves to score an action sequence. Yep. Uh, it's strange to have that extended action sequence with no music when you've mm. got John Williams scoring your film. Yep. Isn't, I mean, uh, I'm trying to think of other films where he's made a similar decision and I, just thinking back to episode four of Star Wars, I feel that all the fight scenes between Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth Vader are all That's unscored. true. Yep. That's true. Is They're that unscored. Yep. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Just, yep. just thinking off the top of my head. Mm. We also have the uh, Boba Fett, Obi-Wan Kenobi, asteroid field chase sequence in episode two, Attack of the Clones, that is completely silent. But I hear that that is because Ben Burt really wanted to play with the sound effects there. Because so. <laughs> <laughs> that guitar string twang, is yeah. that that scene? Uh, yeah, the really high, uh, the, the sonic mines yeah. that Boba yeah, yeah, Fett... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, not Boba Fett, Django Fett. Django Fett, Anyway, yeah. mm. but uh, so I guess we've heard about the development of themes from Nick. I've talked about action cues. Andrew, is there anything in particular that catches your eye about this score? Well, really, when I think about all of the themes and the moments in the movie, it's, it's really the, the religious moments that I think that Indiana really gets to shine and, and John Williams' score gets to shine in this. And uh, I guess, you know, obviously that hap- happens with the, the arc theme. In general, we spoke about in the first episode how that's sort of the Old Testament God and the danger of the Ark. But really, uh, let, let's talk about my favourite cue of the whole thing. Which is... Which which is the map room. Oh, the map room. Yeah. Popular cue. It's yeah. very it's, good. It's pretty special. And there are many times that the, the Ark sort of, you know, turns up uh, beforehand... Let's let's just go straight into the uh, the map room. The, yeah, the map room. There's, I guess, for me, noticing the biggest difference is that now there is there is rhythmic undercurrent. The mm. first time we just had the chords, you know. Whereas now we have a sort of. Um, Sort of this sort of uh, triplety figure, you know. It's it's like history is starting to kind of mm. become un- unwound, or where 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 there's a bit of motion there, definitely, which is really just it starts it's starting to build, it's starting to lead somewhere. There's there's movement and direction. You hear it in the harps. To me, it's like it's like the sound of trickling sand, as if you sort of got one yeah. of those those um, old fashioned um, what are they called? Like a timekeeper. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, they call an uh, hourglass. Hour like glass. an hourglass, yeah, you're sort of tipping yeah. it upside down, and it's mm. 
it's it's stuff. Yeah, we're we're being taken back. And I think actually that cue that's the start of the cue, and we'll move on to the second part in a uh, in a moment. But that's the the first time that we're we're really not a hundred percent certain whether this myth is real. Mm. And Indy's found the map room, so you know that was made by people. Um, and they're in uh, they're in Cairo, so it still could be fake at this point. Mm-hmm. And I feel that this sort of is that the beginning of this could be a real thing. Yeah. And even with Indiana, I know that he's sort of trying to find something, but I always get the impression up until this point he's still an archaeologist who, at the end of the day, doesn't believe necessarily in God, per se, mm-hmm. um, doesn't necessarily believe in um, all of the mysticism around this, but, you know, mm. the the artifacts themselves are probably based in something, and he's following those. But this mm. is sort of the, the first suggestion that there could be another power um, at play here. He's a fascinated sceptic, I would say. <laughs> yeah. Indeed. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, then it eventually moves on. So he puts the, uh, you know, the staff and the medallion into the, the correct slot and we actually follow the red dot uh, as it, you know, moves up through the map. And that's, uh, this is really the, the section that I really adore. And uh, let's, let's have a listen to it. And it's that note that they finish on. This is, this is what's really cool about this. Let, let me break this down for you. So you've got this sort of, you know, swirling grand arc theme with all of the, you know, the, the female chorus um, wailing away and all of this swirling instrumentation. And then it starts rising and it really mimics that red dot moving, you know, through the, through the set, through the map. And it's sort of minor chords and then there are some major and they feel like they're really grounded for just a moment and you know sort of representing that is the dot going to stop there there yeah Yeah. it could stop there that 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 could be no it keeps going and uh you know it keeps moving along and it heads all the way up to the top and you get those great It's all leading, and then, yeah, and the entire orchestra uh, moves into unison, into a single note, and that is mimicked by the uh, focusing of the, you know, the the light source into the stone, and it all moves to a single focal point, and it's such a glorious moment. I mean, hearing that live, you know, in a in a room with you know seventy odd musicians on stage. 
it's such a great experience and um, every time uh, in rehearsal and through the many performances that was there, you know, it gave me chills without fail um, every single time and I knew it was coming and yeah, it's just such a great moment. But it reminds me of of another sort of similar moment with, uh, you know, um, music rising and going through sort of minor chords and major chords and finally finishing on a on a sort of a heroic or a singular moment and that's um uh, howard shaw's uh, score in return of the king specifically the lighting of the beacons uh which dan i think this is one of your oh, it's sort great. of favorite oh, it's moments absolutely as well great yeah if i had to if i had to pick a moment from all of lord of the rings this would be it <laughs> and i've got a um got a little sample here of um that particular section They made it. Yep. <laughs> it's so <laughs> glorious. Uh. You know, I think what's similar about it is that I mean, it's it, it's it's much faster than the Raiders cue, but the similarities are basically you know the brass are doing the bulk of the harmonic you know transitions. Mm. Um, you know whatever it is the way they're building, <laughs> and the strings are just sort of doing all the the fast legwork but you know in the raiders queue it's it's very similar the the brass have these you know you know they're the broad stroke harmonic bits and the strings are basically doing all the you know You know, and they're basically creating all that, the, the, the uprise, you know, the, yeah. the, the lift. It's all the, the magic. The, the magic. Mm. It's yeah. the magic swirling around uh, as they, you know, you sort of almost see the sand sort of swirling around in those, mm. in those strings. It's, yeah. um, it's a great moment. Favourite moment of the film. Mm. Yeah. But it's, you know, I, look, I would say I think that is almost matched by the last cue or the, or the last, I guess, um, map room kind of style cue in this which is mm. of course at the end when they're kind of getting their faces melted off yep. <laughs> you know, and they're it's sort of a similar musical material but some something's gone wrong you yeah. know yeah. and it's the choir is building to an almost more epic um, terrifying religious proportion than they are here mm. here's really it's like oh my god this is beautiful the you know the hand of God whereas at the end it's like it's kind of beautiful but it's about to go yeah, yeah to, well, about to go wrong they've annoyed someone you know, and uh, they're about to get hurt. Yeah. Mm. And the other difference <laughs> is that the the arc theme gets it kind of gets bigger. And why I say bigger, I kind of mean longer. And what we haven't discussed is what I like to call the B theme of the arc theme, 
the boo theme of the arc theme, mm. <laughs> um, which is sometimes referred to as the medallion theme. And the medallion theme, uh, I guess it's being called that because when we first hear it, is in Nepal and uh, Marion is holding this medallion or the, you know, the head, the headpiece, um, which sounds a bit like this. It's a very interesting tune. how John Williams has a, a knack of introducing all these themes just by themselves. No, no accompanying, you know, maybe a bit of swirling strings, but there's no harmony there. It's yeah. just a, a lonely, it sounds like a snake charmer. It allows him to go somewhere with it, I think, as well. Yeah. You know, it sort of presents it simply and then this could go anywhere, you know. Yeah. And that um, we, we hear it, I guess, the next time uh, when the Nazis are kind of doing this little trek through that canyon you know, Andy comes along and fires a rocket launcher at them or threatens, threatens to. to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Ineffectually. Yeah. We, kind of get, we, we get the arc theme there, but it's, it's, it's followed by this sort of phrase of the medallion, of the medallion theme. So this is the normal arc theme here. And my, my theory on this is that, well, previously we, we hear about the arc and we hear about this sort of headpiece, but they're never together at the same time. And then this is, this is now a time in the film where actually, well, we've got, we've got all these elements together. And, and it's pretty much the first time in the film when they're together. And we get the two themes together, mm. uh, which is so clever. Yeah. I really, uh, the, the last little phrase of the medallion theme, I really feel, yeah. Da, da, ba, da. That little bit, that is the bit to me that I think as well, especially when we go into the finale, which we're about to discuss, that really is like the ta-da, like here is the full power of this thing that we're finally allowed to sort of have this declaratory musical statement. Yep. Like there it is. Yeah. And, we're, it. and we're, yeah. let's just hear this next bit where, you know, it really is going, it's, it's kind of going a bit full on and it's just before all our faces melt off. And the last thing we hear before the, um, the, the crazy high trumpets and slapstick and all these interesting I horror the, techniques the that come in. slapstick, it's my favourite thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, the last thing we hear is that declaratory ba-bum. It's like a didgeridoo at the bottom there. <laughs>
And then, of course, all hell breaks loose. Yeah. <laughs> Something has definitely gone wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Something I noticed there is that um, when the brass and the high trumpets have this, um, you know, boom, 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 it's, it's, it's no longer legato. It's really kind of um, placed quite forcibly. There's these kind of big gaps, boom, 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 boom. It's really kind of strong and strident mm. and... and mm. And sort of affirmative in a in a, in a not very positive way. <laughs> yeah, mm. and then you get that that really strange snapping, clapping sound yep. that happens uh, when the when the ghost turns evil. Yeah, and uh, what are those, Nick? What yeah, are they called? It's just called a slapstick. It sounds ridiculous, and I think because it <laughs> maybe had its origins in comedy, but basically I, it's. Too I, I, I believe that's correct. Actually, yeah. that was used as a sound effect for someone like getting kicked in the bum, like in the silent <laughs> in the silent film. Yeah. yeah, nice. But also, I mean, it's 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 what's the word when the name of the thing is what it actually does or sounds like? Onomatopoeia. Yeah, Onomatopoeia. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's literally you're slapping two sticks together. They're two yeah. long bits of of timber. Mm. Um, quite often, they're joined sort of at the bottom with a hinge, and you just basically go. Um, sounds better than that. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, yeah. very flabby and uh, you know yeah, that, flesh-like. That's, that's the flab stick. They're my <laughs> hands. They're my hands, listeners. Um, it, yeah, it just creates this really kind of crackling, snapping mm. bits of timber hitting. It can be hilarious or, in this case, absolutely frightening. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, it, it's also a great example as well, especially when you combine that with the, the brass and I, I think the woodwinds doing the dun dun dun, yeah. dun 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 I mean, it's... It's quite unpleasant music. Oh, I never listened to that bit. Well, <laughs> I, mean, but, I mean, that's the thing as well, right? Is that, I mean, I remember when I was first being introduced to the wonders of, of film music, um, you know, actually someone using this example as the, the prime case of something you can get away with writing for a movie. But if you wrote this in any other context, like, you know, you would be writing quote-unquote difficult music, like yeah. mo- modernist confronting avant-garde and here it works fine audiences it's don't think twice about it because no. of the context it's interesting that isn't it mm. and uh it moves finally to that last little bit are you able to queue up the last end uh to where oh, well. god smites us all or smites the nazis anyway and uh we have the lid flying up into the air and come tumbling back down There's the lid falling down through the violins. And, you know, all through that, you've got these uh, swelling uh, crescendo and decrescendo in the in the orchestra, and it always feels like the breath of God. It feels like God breathing in and breathing out and, um, you know, sweeping away all of those Nazis. And, uh, like I said, uh, finishing with the... With that lid sort of spiraling down, um, mimicked with the with the violins at the top. And I, I do like the symmetry of how um, you know there's the rising chords ending in that unison note mm. earlier in the map room cue, and here the arc theme really finishing on a unison note. Yep, well. but it's a final. Yeah, I mean the the map room, you know, is sort of it's there. It's oh, sort the, of glorious. The, arc, the arc's open. We yeah, found it. Yeah, mm. um, whereas this is like it's the you know the full stop that God's putting on the. Um, 
you know, that's that's that. Yeah, mm. they're revealing and it's revealing versus concealing. Yeah, mm. absolutely. But of course, to uh, not want to be rest on our laurels, John Williams opens the arc once more in the last cue. And I, I love this last cue. <laughs> it's very simple, but the last thing we hear before the credits roll is not the Indiana Jones theme or the Marion theme. It's the arc theme. Mm. And it, Which the movie definitely isn't about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. All right. I see how it is. You know, and then we're off the races. Let, let, let's just hear a bit of this, this final cue uh, before, before we wrap up. There's that Rhodes again. Mm. It's a groovy guy, Jim Williams. <laughs> Have to find out in another well in it, another film or yeah no exactly I mean that's exactly what it is is that that scene and that musical you know idea there is the the equivalent of in the old the old serials that'd have the end question come mark. up on the title and mm. yeah the question mark <laughs> would just come up at the end there that's exactly what that yeah. scene is doing yeah. that's that's a hundred percent what that is because it's you know is this the end of the arc who yeah. who can say yeah stay tuned same time next week. Yeah. <laughs> Mm. And that's uh, that brings us to the end of the film. Mm. So, thanks very much, guys. That's the end of uh, part two of Raiders of the Lost Ark, and the end of episode two of the Art of the Score. And if you've uh, if you've enjoyed these, uh, please feel like uh, you know clicking like, subscribing, telling your friends, rating, leaving a review, all of those great things. Uh, Dan and Nick, thank you so much for getting through all of that. It's been fantastic. And we'll. Um, uh, Come back with another episode and another film. Can't wait to see which one it is, Andrew. Yeah, Mm. who can say? Who can say? But uh, that's it. I'm Andrew Pogson. That's Dan Golding. Thank you so much. And uh, he's Nicholas Buck. See you next time. And that was Art of the Score.